This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 1037 The Game Studios in Upper Lafayette, this is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live at 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. Take a walk on the wild side. Get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7, the game. Hey! Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome, everyone, to Under the Dome with CD. On Acadiana Sports Station 1037 The Game, 1037thegame.com. As per the usual, we are coming to you live from the beautiful and palatial First South Farm Credit Studios. Appreciate you listening, however, you're doing so, be it through that old school FM dial. Power too sweet to be sour. I'm funky like a monkey. Sky's the limit and space is the place. Or better yet, if you're listening to us worldwide on that free mobile app, 1037thegame.com. Maybe you told your smart speaker to play 1037 the game. We got you covered. Trust me. Make sure you listen in because we got a lot to get to, especially when it comes to the NFL draft. It's was a Interesting last couple days for a lot of different teams, namely, especially here in the heart of Cajun country, we're all talking about the New Orleans Saints and what they did in the NFL draft. We did a whole Facebook Live, and I think I took over the show. I think I take over things as per the usual. But when it comes right down to it, I've got some thoughts about those New Orleans Saints and what their first-round pick is in this segment. If you've got some reactions to that, or better yet, what they did in the second and third rounds. I'll give you my takes on those as well. Ross Jackson joined the program in about 30 minutes. But, of course, you didn't come here for the preamble. You came here for the ramble, which is what I do here right here on 103.7 The Game each and every Saturday afternoon and pretty much any time I'm on the air because I definitely can go on a rant. And if you saw me on Facebook on Thursday, you know I can talk a lot about just one topic, and just let that thing stew over. And let's go ahead and get into it. And what's causing all this on Louisiana Saturday morning with your Saturday Sports Sermon. The famous CD is on his soapbox to start your Saturday. It's time for your Saturday Sports Sermon. With the 28th overall pick, the New Orleans Saints took a huge gamble and went ahead and said, we're going to go ahead and move into the realm of defensive ends. We already have six of them on the roster heading into that game. But today, on on Thursday night, the New Orleans Saints went ahead and said, let's go with somebody who's completely off the board. When it comes to first-round potential, Quiddy Pay, Jalen Phillips, those guys were gone. Jason Owe, he was still on the board. Gregory Russo, still on the board. Even Deo 
Ori Ingbo, who wound up getting picked pretty early on in the second round. More power to him for getting that getting that bag. Carlos Basham still on the board. Joe Tryon was the last pick of the first round. So the Saints went with the eighth best. Eighth best, according to Walter Football, which is a source I like to look at when it comes to like how things go and who is the best player available at any given position at any given time. And somehow, the New Orleans Saints landed on Peyton Turner, defensive end out of Houston, Texas, and a Houston Cougar who chose to play football over baseball, apparently. Again, just looking at the draft profile, he had most of his senior year missed due to a knee injury. That alone makes me start to question him. Makes me question what the future holds for him. Again, he's got some great kind of those those measurements, those those tangible numbers you can actually look at. Six foot five, two hundred and seventy pounds, thirty-five inch arms, ten and a quarter inch hands. He is a mammoth of a man. That is a big plus. That's a huge strength for a four-three defensive end. He's going to have a little bit more development than I think your average first-round pick. And I think the New Orleans Saints whiffed on this one really badly because at the end of the day, again, this is an instant reaction. This is all this is. All we can say in 2020 is what the hell happened with the 28th overall pick, Peyton Turner, when you still had three or four top-flight guys that were still... Projected to go in the first round, Jason Owe. And you had Gregor Russo, who went a couple picks later. It was mind-numbing to see live. And it was even more damning once I looked at the draft profile. Once I looked at all the stuff that he has dealt with. You know, the tape shows he's starting to understand his own potential. But do you get that kind of guy round one? No. It was an insane reach. You could have probably gotten this guy in day two... And nobody would have batted an eye. This is the first round, and you had a, somebody else. Apparently, that was your best-case scenario. The NFL comp for him. The NFL comp for him, I think you might be blown away by this, is Preston Smith with the Green Bay Packers. He's been okay. Not necessarily the greatest player in the world, but serviceable. He had a really good first year with the Washington, now known as football team in 2015. But since then, you know, hasn't necessarily popped off the pages for me. Last year, I mean, he's playing the last two years with the Green Bay Packers. In 2019, he had 12 sacks. It's an interesting comparison, I'll say that much. But I feel like the Saints bit off way more than they, he can, they can chew. And it's a big red flag I talked about. Injuries. I feel like injuries especially on the defensive side of the football, are a death knell for me when it comes to picking guys. I hope I'm wrong on this. When it comes to the Saints and all my takes, I hope to God I'm wrong. Like a few years like earlier this year, I said the New Orleans Saints were going to go with a – going to probably go 7-9 after the way they looked in Week 2. After the way they managed to somehow some way eke out a win in Week 1, I said – Live on air, this was going to be a 7-9 pick at the absolute best. But now, I'm not necessarily sure that's the case. I think there's just a lot of guys out there 
that can be stars in this draft and, and real big surprise. Of course, all these guys could very well be busts, and then it kind of just goes into the history books as the absolute worst, and I mean the worst ever kind of thing. And I'm like, what is going on? When I saw the Saints select Peyton Turner, a guy who, yes, has potential, but it's like, do you, would you really pick this guy at the end of round one? I know there's a difference between reaching in the later rounds, like in the later uh, end of the first round and beginning of the first round in a reach. But I still think this is the definition of reaching and not knowing what you're doing. Peyton Turner had a prospect grade of 6.31 saying, and that grade means, according to NFL.com, that he'll be a starter within the first two seasons. First two seasons. Why couldn't the Saints have done what we expect them to do? Because I think the New Orleans Saints could have moved up in the draft. Maybe not top ten, but at least move up five or six picks ahead and get your guy, Greg Newsom. Because it felt like Greg Newsom was going to be the guy. It felt like it was going to be the answer, but the Saints just couldn't get it done for one reason or another. Maybe Ross Jackson can detail me as to why. Why the Saints didn't bother trading up in the first round. Yeah, that compensatory pick you gave up, yes, the Saints wound up getting a really good cornerback in the third round. But I feel like the, if you wanted to get a top-tier corner, Greg Newsom was that guy. I think J.C. Horner was an interesting pick to get in the top ten. was a big surprise to a lot of people. Nobody expected that to happen off the draft board. But the Saints kept basically throwing out smoke screens as per the norm. And I feel like what I've seen from the New Orleans Saints, they have just absolutely just gut-punched everybody. And said, "Hey, we're gonna do we're gonna just do the exact opposite of what you expect, and we're gonna go with a player that is pretty much, I think, at best, a D minus type of cat. He is absolutely a D minus in terms of first round draft pick. If this were a guy picked in the second or third round, again, would not bat an eye to this. But you, to me, kind of pissed away." Your opportunities to become a star-making pick is again. This is the post-Drew Brees era. I don't. I don't want this. I didn't want the Saints to trade up and go get a quarterback. That was going to be a dumb idea. You got Jameis Winston. Ride with that. I got a conversation. I'll probably bring it up a little bit later in the show. But I think I would. I want to give Jameis Winston a chance. I'm the guy that wanted that said Jameis Winston's career was over a few years ago. I am willing to change my take. And I think I'm giving Jameis Winston a chance. If things don't go right, Taysom Hill is going to be the guy because that's what, you know, your boy, Sean Payton, wants. And at the end of the day, it's an interesting take. I just got to say, I think the New Orleans Saints made a bad choice in getting a defensive end when they already had six on the roster beforehand. So now they got seven, and now they've got five corners. I feel like they could do a lot better with some depth along the corner, the secondary front, rather than the front seven. They got a really good linebacker, I think, in the second round. I'll probably talk about that more in the next segment. 
But to be honest with you, this left me befuddled, frustrated, and made me wonder. This was the first pick of the post-Drew Brees era. Is this the mark that you want to make if you're the Saints? I say no. Not just no, but hell no. That should not have been the choice. And we sit here on Saturday still talking about it as probably the most boneheaded pick the Saints have made in the first round in quite some time. But I'll give him a chance. I will gladly give him that opportunity to prove me wrong. And if he does, I'll gladly, I'll gladly eat my own crow on that. I'll always be glad to eat my own crow when it comes to picks that fall very well short. Because, honestly, that's the beauty of Sports Talk Radio. If I get something really bad wrong, I can come back and say, hey, you know, I was wrong. I'll own up to it and move on with my life. This isn't a situation where, you know, I am going to wind up being upset when I see me being completely wrong. Because, no, I want to see the Saints succeed. I want to see them continue to be that team that can get towards top flight levels. You just got to prove it to me. Like, that's it. That's it. That's the tweet. You've got to prove it to me that you can actually pull this off. Because to me, it is go- is looking more and more likely that won't be the case. Now, of course, we talk about it. In the name of Sean Payton, Jeff Ireland, Mickey Loomis, we trust. That is that is basically what we do every single time the Saints are getting ready to be on the clock. We It's not the sign of the cross, but that's essentially what we do. In the name of Sean Payton, Mickey Loomis, and Sean, Sean Payton, Mickey Loomis, and Jeff Ireland. That, those are the guys that we look at, and it's insane that we continue to do this in the Saints. Maybe Terry Fontenot was one of those hidden guys, the sleeper agents. Because, honestly, I think the Falcons have done a really solid job with their draft as opposed to what we saw probably in previous years with the Falcons, who have just been an absolute jamoke. I mean, you, know, you, you finally moved on and not no longer getting offensive tackles outside of the third round, speaking of which they're about to pick. But they got Kyle Pitts, Richie Grant, two really solid choices. Kyle Pitts was a BPA-type move, and I liked what they did with that. We'll talk about more of the NFL draft, probably more league-wide later on the show, probably more around the 12 o'clock hour. If you want to react to any of the stuff we got going down, hit us up on the game hotline, 337-706-0111, 337-706-0111. Back after this. Haunted Katie in a sports stage 1037 the game and 1037 the game.com. It's under the dome with CD. Under the dome with CD is a show for all the degenerates out there. You make your rules and we Let's get back to the famous CD, who will break it all down for us. Welcome back, Under the Dome with CD, day three. That kind of rhyme. But day three of the NFL draft officially underway. So far, only two picks are officially made. The pick is in for the Atlanta Falcons with with their third overall pick, but we're still currently awaiting what the Saints are going to do with the rest of their picks. 
for what it's worth. Let me give you kind of a quick recap of what's happened so far with the New Orleans Saints. In case you haven't been on Twitter or what have you, and if you haven't been, I respect you for that. But Or if you haven't necessarily been paying a whole lot of attention to the NFL draft beyond the first round. But again, more power to you. You trust me, there's a lot of stuff going on, and we'll, we'll, we'll discuss this right now. So far, the New Orleans Saints have picked Peyton Turner. Again, the dumbest pick of the NFL draft, I think, by far, so far, in my mind. I think in the mind of a lot of other people. And I think it's not because, again, it's not because he's a bad guy. It's because they picked him with the 28th overall pick. You probably could have gotten this guy in the second round. Maybe even got this guy in the third round, because I don't think a whole lot of people had them on the big board. And I get it. You stuck You stuck with your guns and stayed in the 28th overall pick, and you, that's who you got. Is what it is. And I'll talk with Ross Jackson about that in about eight minutes or so. But then the Saints wound up getting Pete Warner out of Ohio State linebacker. I think that's a really good pick. It's going to add some depth to that position. Pete Warner has a lot of potential. Again, looking at his draft profile, courtesy of NFL.com. He's a guy who could become a starter down the road, more of a good backup, which I think the Saints need. They need to have a lot of depth. His comp is Jordan Evans. He's definitely more of a versatile guy, but he feels like he fits really well as a Sam instead of a Mike. So I think you could put him in a lot of different holes. Then Paulson Adebo, maybe the deepest cut of them all, and apparently a lot of people loved him. And I had to say, that's a, this, was, this was a great pick, honestly. I think it would have been great to get another corner as well in the first round. If you got a corner, linebacker, and corner in the first three rounds, I would have been happy, but the Saints did trade up. They traded with it was in part of with a deal with the New York Giants and Denver. It was very complicated, but they moved up to get the, to the seventy sixth overall pick to get him and gave up their third round compensatory. And now they're down to I down to four more picks on the day. They don't pick until number twenty eighth overall, which is in the fourth round, which is one thirty third, then two hundred eighteenth in the sixth round, which is the compensatory. Then they have the number one pick in round seven, which was a part of a trade with Jacksonville. Then you have pick 28 in round seven to round things out at 255. I am so looking forward to seeing how the Saints wind up doing with this day three. Do they go quarterback? I think that's really the million-dollar question. Do they go quarterback in this position and go ahead and try and get somebody as a body to be there. Because I think there's still some really, like, I'd say good quarterbacks that could fit extremely well on a lot of different teams. You've heard me mention this name before. I think Sam Ellinger, I would be saying, hey, take him. Guy who I had in my mock, if you missed it last week, I think the Saints could get a guy like K.J. Costello. He could be somebody to look at, not as a starter of the future, but he's there. Ian Book is going to be there. I think in the later round. Sam Elger is a guy I'd, I would definitely have my eyes on. It's Felipe Franks out of Arkansas. He's still there, which honestly I'd pass on because, again, he's had like one really good year at Arkansas, but just has been inconsistent. And he played at Florida. And that's uh, Jamie Newman out of Wake Forest, former Georgia QB. He's there. I'd say if the Saints get him in the fourth round, I'd have no problem with that because you know why? He's a hell of a hand to have, and if you spend spend a year underneath Sean Payton's system, the Jameis Winston thing does not work out, and if Taysom Hill isn't your 100% bona fide answer, 
I'd have no qualms about this. Outside the first two days of the NFL draft, now's the time where it's BPA. You throw your team needs out the window in my mind. And I think if you can get somebody like a Jamie Newman or in the fourth or even trade your seventh-round pick at pick 28 and maybe throw in something else in 2022 to make it work, I wouldn't be surprised that the Saints would trade up in like the fifth round to go get somebody. But I feel like quarterback could be a position the Saints at least look at as a backup slash. We see we kick the tires on this guy a lot like a Garrett Grayson. I think if you do it in round four, it feels a little bit better. It, feels, it softens the blow a little bit more as opposed to what they did with Garrett Grayson picking him in the third round, which was a complete joke. But now we go over to the game hotline. Hello, you're on Under the Dome. Hey, what's going on, CD? Hey, what's up? Love your show. Um, Appreciate it, look, man. Uh, I'm, my question is, and I don't want to beat the dead horse on the Saints. I think we all feel the same way uh, about the first pick. But uh, in regards to that, do you feel like there's been some parity from uh, NFL uh, teams when it came to picking? When I look at the mock draft, outside of the very obvious picks, um, there was a lot of parity, not just with the Saints in the first pick, but and you saw, uh, you know, Mel Kuyper, you know, like, man, I have this guy going fourth or fifth round. I have this guy. I mean, I've heard that more, uh, it seems like, on this draft than I have ever before. And, you know, a lot of parity in that sense. Uh, and I, my question is, is, do you think it's because we're dealing with a COVID-induced uh, season where you don't have the combines, uh, not everybody participated in pro days, uh, it seemed like a lot more reliant on those uh, players that moved up because of Senior Bowl. But, you know, some of these guys I've just never heard of. And even when I like to, you know, play armchair, uh, mock draft stuff, I mean, there was a lot of, lot of people taken earlier than I even thought of or much less knew who they were. So I'm kind of – I'm going to hang up and listen. I kind of want to get your feedback on that. I know you kind of touched on it a little bit before but uh you know if you could elaborate a little bit more man have a good day i appreciate that man i appreciate you saying you love the show i think that there's like a handful there's there's a very small contingency of people who love this show and appreciate y'all for listening in and i kind of realized this i'll get to your to your question in a second but i kind of came to the realization of this last night before my head hit the pillow to call it a night this is the two like relatively speaking two-year anniversary of the show existing it's somebody i was like it never kind of hit me. Because again, like we started the show technically on February 4th, uh, February 4th, May 4th, 2019. It was planned deliberately two years ago. Technically, this would be the anniversary. And that's how I'm always going to remember it. The anniversary is always going to be on uh, whatever the Kentucky Derby is. That is going to be it. That's whenever I officially consider the one-year anniversary of Under the Dome. So appreciate you all listening into the program. Hopefully we can keep this thing going for another six months. We'll see. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But when it comes to the NFL draft and the way things were, I can get where Mel Kuyper was coming from. But for the most part, I think everybody who was going to get picked outside, I think Joe Tryon and, I, and I'd say Peyton Turner, it felt like the consensus amongst the mock drafters and the way some of the Walter football rankings of the world rank. Because, again, I look at Walter football for the position rankings like crazy and it's I sit there and I read this out and it's like 
okay, there were some surprises. I think Canarius Tony being picked out of Florida by the New York Giants. Then you have the Bears trading up to go get Justin Fields, which is in and of itself completely insane. And then somehow the Patriots just sit there and go get and be able to just pick Mac Jones like crazy. I think for the most part, I say the top five picks felt like they fell in line. Everything was from then was slightly surprising to, oh hey, did the Carolina Panthers reach? I'm sure that's a big topic over there in North Carolina where they kind of land. But I agree with what you just said about it being more of a COVID year. The fact that hurts a lot because you're not able to, not just the pro days. But I think you're not able to scout as much as you usually do. Because I can remember a, like a handful of times when I'm covering Cajuns games, I'm seeing players, I mean, co- uh, excuse me, players, scouts out there go and cover the team and go see what's going on with this team and that team and see how things kind of work and understand, hey, these guys are out there for these games. With COVID, press boxes were a lot more limited. Now you're having to rely solely on film that you see from games. You're not able to see it live and in a living color. You can't necessarily be sold on that based off of what you see in terms of footage, in terms of all 22 and all that. You need to probably wind up seeing it a lot more with your actual eyes live and in living color versus anything else. You have to take down all these notes. You have these scouts out there, and they are absolutely getting all the information they can well before the NFL draft even begins. I hope that we can... See in 2022, I feel like that's where a lot of the players are going. Where the, a lot of these like NFL draft guys, they're more focused on 2022 because then we'll be able to see a lot more. Because you look at it, the out of the Saints players, all the players the Saints have picked so far. Keep in mind this, and this is the biggest takeaway I think we all need to bring up here before we take a quick timeout. When it comes to the Saints picks so far, with all three of their picks, they picked a guy from Houston. Ohio State and Stanford. Houston, Ohio State, and Stanford, what do they all have in common? I'm sure you might it might take a minute, but think about this. What do they all have in common? They all played for teams that had eight or less games. Case in point, the Houston Cougars, I think they only had seven or eight games last year, and Turner only played in five of them due to I think he had a hand injury as well as was out due to COVID and missed a couple games because of that. So, yeah, Paulson Adebo opted out of the entire 2020 season, so you have zero film on him. You have a zero. Pete Warner, he only played a handful of games because he played with Ohio State and the Big Ten stupid rule where they decided to play behind schedule with everybody else. It was dumb. But let's be honest, that's kind of what you got with 2020. So the, the draft class is so hard to predict. But even then, you had opportunities to pick up different guys and fill different voids. I'm just, I'm going to hold my judgment on some of these guys. But again, what do they all have in common? They played for teams that were P5 or G5 in the case of Houston that only played a handful of games. We'll try and get some brevity on the situation with... The New Orleans Saints, Ross Jackson, join the program in just a little bit. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD on 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com.
trying times. The world-famous CD follows the simple words of Matthew McConaughey. You just got to keep living, man. L-I-V-I-N. So let's kick back and enjoy Under the Dome on 103.7 The Game. It'd be a lot cooler if you did. All right, welcome back Under the Dome with CD, and you hear that Chapa style, you know. We only got one person that can, that has his own walk-up music to the show, besides me, of course, with a little wild side. Motley Crue opened up every hour. Of course, that's our guy, Ross Jackson, Locked on Saints podcast, Canal Street Chronicles. Ross, it's draft weekend. How the hell are you, man? Hey, brother, I'm doing very, very well. Thank you so much. Always uh, glad to be here with you. It's been a very, very fun uh, draft weekend so far. And just getting started with day three here. It's a lot of important selections still left to make. All right. So did you ever expect to hear Peyton Turner be picked 28th overall? No, not at all. I, I didn't expect Peyton Turner to be I didn't know he existed. In, uh, in, in, in the first round. I mean, I, like, I, don't, I don't think it's a terrible pick by the New Orleans Saints or a bad pick by the New Orleans Saints. Like, go and get your guy in the first round. But he was just somebody that didn't really have on my radar until maybe the top of round two. Uh, but, you know, hey, you know, sometimes the draft just works out that way. At least they didn't go and draft an interior offensive lineman like the Raiders did. Yeah, thanks for that reminder about the Raiders. And their, <laughs> but, but then again, I don't think anybody could be as bad as the Houston Texans with their first pick going with Davis Mills. I was like a Woof. what? Yeah. I think, I think, all right, so before we get into some more of the Saints draft, who do you think's had the worst draft so far? Well, I mean, that Texans one was pretty – I mean, they haven't had many selections, obviously, at this point. That's, uh, but that the, – the, the situation that they're already in, all the question marks around Deshaun Watson that are all coming from multiple angles and the turnaround and draft a quarterback, especially a quarterback like Davis Mills, who is considered to be the next quarterback outside of the top five, of course, that are at the top of the draft. That was a pretty – I don't know, it just signals a lot and it kind of it kind of screams a lot to you in terms of what it is that they're planning on. Uh, also, seeing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers burn a second-round pick or, or a second-day pick, excuse me, on Kyle Trask was a little bit surprising for me as well. I was glad the Saints didn't do that, go get Kyle yeah. Trask. Because I, I saw this mock draft yesterday that kind of just hurt my brain. I was like, why would we ever consider getting Kyle Trask? It's like in, a, in the second round, no less. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. I think that people looked at Kyle Trask and said, hey, he can do the things that Drew Brees did, which isn't entirely incorrect, right, in terms of being able to take advantage of receivers being schemed well around him, getting the ball out quickly, playing close to the line of scrimmage. Those are all things that he can do. He could never do them, I don't think, at the level of Drew Brees. I, I wouldn't go that far, but certainly he could run an offense that is, or, or let me say operate within an offense that is similar to one that would have been constructed for Drew Brees. But we have to look beyond Drew Brees at this point in, in, in this draft and sort of look at the New Orleans Saints as a team that's maybe going in a different direction. And certainly we've seen that so far with the you know receivers that we've seen them have interest in over the course of the pre-draft visits and the types of moves that they've made here so far during the draft going all defense. They seem to be pretty comfortable at their quarterback position. They seem to be pretty comfortable with the idea of shifting the paradigm on their offense as well. When it comes to Peyton Turner, I think obviously that's one of the big storylines coming out of this draft, obviously, was kind of one of the more questionable ones because that was a name, like, whenever I was kind of getting some graphics done for our NFL draft live watch party, that was a name mm-hmm. I did not plan on seeing at all. In fact, we didn't have a draft profile on the Cats, so that's how much people knew about, you know, your boy Peyton Turner with the 28th overall pick. What do you think the plan is for him with the 
defensive end room that's seven deep. Yeah, I mean, he he kind of fell into one, into that position pre-draft here to where you didn't really look too much into him because he didn't feel like he would be somebody that would go at the bottom of the first round. But then you also kind of skipped over him a little bit because you assumed that you that the team would be too late in the second round to select him. So he kind of fell in that kind of that blind spot a little bit for a lot of analysts, including myself, where I, I, I watched his film, but I didn't do a ton of work on him. But I think that, you know, when you look at him in the New Orleans Saints and what he brings, he brings you a ton of athleticism. He brings you a lot of talent as well, and he brings you a lot of experience. You know, he had a, uh, you know, an ACL tear early on in his career, you know, when he was still in high school. And since then, he seems to have been okay. He's had, you know, an ankle issue and then a, a later issue with a knee issue, but didn't miss a ton of games because of that. And they're calling the ankle injury, the result of the ankle injury, a season ending uh, surgery. But, you know, he had played through most of the season by then. So just about any injury at that point in the year would have been a season ending injury. And so, as you look across what he brings in his utilization here, I think you're going to see him be somebody that's rotational along that defensive line. He can play both inside and out. He has a good game plan when it comes to uh, working as a pass rusher, although he could work to improve that. But Ryan Nielsen will certainly help there. He has a lot of pass rushing moves coming in. You know, when Marcus Davenport came in a few years ago, you sort of looked at him as a speed-to-power conversion guy with a bull rush, but then you looked and saw, well, maybe he needs to develop some more pass rushing moves. Not the case with Peyton Turner, who can still go and develop some, but he has a variety of pass rushing moves in his back pocket already. So it's good news for him, good news for the New Orleans Saints, who love to rotate along the defensive line. The defensive end, quote-unquote, class for the Saints right now in terms of their roster seems pretty deep, but considering how many of them also play inside, it's really just all about reclassifying these guys as defensive linemen for the most part because they'll be able to line up anywhere Peyton Turner included. So he, so odds are, you know, I think Peyton Turner, is he going to be more of that defensive end or could he fit more in that DT role? I think at first glance he'll be more defensive end. What I'm going to be most interested in is to see which pairing sees the field the most. Is it going to be him and Marcus Davenport? or him and Cam Jordan, because that sort of tells you the plan after, you know, Marcus Davenport or Cam Jordan and the New Orleans Saints eventually part ways. And the Saints picked up Marcus Davenport's fifth-year option the same day that they drafted Peyton Turner. And so this was, you know, this felt like kind of a little bit of a redundant move. But when you know that the Saints were trying to move up for J.C. Horn and then the board didn't fall the way that they necessarily expected, and then by the time they got to 28, they went with who was number one on their board, which was Peyton Turner, it sort of makes a little bit of sense. So now they have this other edge rusher that has a lot of potential and has a very, very deep toolbox uh, that you know they have at their disposal to either replace a defensive end in the near future or continue to just rotate in with them. And then the Saints, obviously, they traded up. It felt like it was inevitable they were going to trade up. They waited until the third round to do it, gave up their compensatory pick, and decided to move up into the middle part of the third round. Also gave it their other third-round pick, obviously, but the Saints get Paulson Adebo out of Stanford. This was one you and damn near everybody loved. It's like ironic how we hate the first round pick. We're okay with the second round pick. The third round pick, we're high fiving and, and just partying in the streets. Yeah. No, this was a really great pick by New Orleans. Uh, look, I mean, Adebo's going to have some adjustments that he's going to have to make, right? Like, he still has to be able to prove that he'll be able to operate at the NFL level. He opted out of the 2020 season, so question marks are going to come with that in terms of his ability to slip back in to his play style on the field after not seeing the field for a year. But, I mean, he's a former wide receiver. He's got enormous hands, 10-inch hands, which are huge for a cornerback. He's got receiver hands. Six foot one, 198 pounds, built similarly 
to Caleb Folly, although the weight is distributed a little bit differently because of his you know, wide receiver training. So he's a little bit more, t- uh, I would say, probably a little bit more bulky up top than more evenly dispersed. So because of that, he has a higher center of gravity. So transitioning from backpedal to trail technique is going to be something that's going to have, that he's going to have to work on in terms of his motion and fluidity. But if he can get all of that down and if he can continue to be a player that is a playmaker, you know, he had something wild like 35-plus passes defended over the course of his career, which is just an insane amount. He had 24 in a single season, which almost led the FBS there. He had uh, four interceptions in each of the last two seasons that he played in 2018, 2019. He understands route combinations really well. He has a lot of the intangible things and the playmaking ability that you really like to see for a potential you know, starter for the New Orleans Saints. I don't know that he's going to be a day one starter, but if he can come in and prove that, then certainly you'll trust him because he has the tool set and he has the assets to be able to pull it off. Talk right now, Ross Jackson, Locked On Saints podcast and Canal Street Chronicles. Let's flip it on. Like, let's look at the draft as a whole because I got a question before we hit the timeout earlier, and I want to get your thoughts on this about how the draft has gone. Do you think a lot of it has to do with some of these reaches, some of these guys, and maybe a lot of the casual NFL fans, the guys that aren't like looking at mock drafts like a like a mad person like we are all throughout the off season? like a Peyton Turner or maybe some of these other guys, like, I mean, you know, uh, Joe Tryon, the guy that was the last pick in the Mm -hmm. first round. Like, do you think COVID had a lot to do with that where you weren't able to necessarily scout quite as much? Because I'm kind of in that camp. Yeah. I mean, I think that there are certainly people for which that's true. You know, I mean, NFL teams met with and scouted over 600 players this year, you know I mean? So the NFL teams, got their work in the way that they needed to. I think that, you know, for those of us that are also, you know, hosting shows and that are also, you know, doing work and doing all these other things where our job isn't to strictly dive into 600 prospects over the course of an offseason, we might have fallen a little bit off of certain prospects because of that. But, you know, some of these other guys like, like Peyton Turner going to Houston, if he would have been able to go before the ACL tear, he was really being recruited by a team, by teams like Michigan and other FBS powered schools like that power five schools. All of a sudden, he would have been on more radars, but he ends up going to Houston where there's a great culture, particularly for their defense, but unfortunately just not a lot of exposure. So that plays into it. Even a guy like Joe Tryon, Joe Tryon seemed like just the perfect selection for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for me from the very beginning, or not from the very beginning, but like early on in the draft process. And so it was kind of exciting to see them go that route. Uh, this is in terms of, 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 of seeing that fit and being able to identify it. But you don't always see those. You don't always hit on those. You know what I mean? And so yeah. when it comes to a guy like Peyton Turner, you have to consider the school that he goes to, the access that we had versus what we didn't have throughout the course of the, the COVID-stricken season. And then, of course, the way that you know there were no combine. I mean, the guy's got incredible numbers in terms of his testing numbers. Had there been a nationally, you know, nationally televised combine, he might have jumped onto more radars than you know what he was able to with just a local pro day. All right, Ross. I got this text from one of the guys that works here with the station, more of a mock draft guru, James Mesh. He brought this up, and well, one of them actually has since been taken. That's Jabril Cox he got drafted by the Dallas Cowboys. We'll talk about that probably in the next segment after I let you go. Mm-hmm. But let's go with the other two names that he put out there: Brevin Jordan, Dylan Moses, just strictly in the fourth round. If those two drop that far. Which one would you rather the Saints go with, Brevin Jordan or Dylan Moses? Oh, wow. That's actually that's pretty tough. I 
think I'll go with Brevin Jordan, although yes. I wouldn't be disappointed with Dylan Moses at all. Uh, the only thing with Dylan Moses is just that, like, the injuries, the medicals, everything, like his inability to be able to be available has been, you know, obviously really, really loud, uh, you know, and it rings really loudly in his, in, in his evaluations. But I wouldn't be upset with him taking a run on a guy like that, particularly here in day three. But Brevin Jordan's just a really interesting player because of all the different ways that you can utilize him. Use him out of the backfield. You could put him in line. You could put him at true wide. You can line him up in the slot. Or you could put him out wide. You can use the guy in a ton of different ways. And to me, that's really interesting because I'm still looking for the Saints offense. I love the fact that they've leaned defense heavy and they've added a player at all three levels of the defense. But now I'm looking for this team to still find a way to add another wrinkle, to add another piece to the offense. And I think Brevin Jordan could be an intriguing option. I don't think he solves that problem, but he could be an intriguing option in terms of his skill set and what he would bring in terms of his versatility. All right, just in case Sean Payton's listening, draft Brevin Jordan for the love of God. Just do that. <laughs> I'm all about it. I think he would be a really fantastic fit in Sean Payton's system. All right. One more before I let you go. Looking at the rest of the NFL draft after the fourth round, how, what do you see the Saints doing with those other picks? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see them focus a little bit into special teams toward the end of the draft if they if they maintain those selections, right? That's assuming that they don't end up pulling a, you know, a trade like they did last year, that they trade the rest of their selections to get up to a pick that they want. But uh, but if they, they stay on the board in the sixth and seventh rounds there, I wouldn't be surprised to see them lean into you know guys like Racing McMath, actually, out of LSU, who's a fantastic special teamer. Uh, Simi Fajoko, also a fantastic special teamer. Avery Williams, these, these guys that can contribute as returners, as, as gunners, as pieces on offense or defense, respectively, whichever they play. I think that that's where you're going to see them really go. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them lean as well into tight end and offensive line at some point here, too, especially with a a guy like, let's say, Trey Smith, who I know dealt with some complicated medicals, but has actually been fine for about two years now. And so, you know, we'll see if a guy like that ends up falling to them or, or, or they have interest in a guy like that. As uh, Sean Payton did say, that offensive line and tight end were two of the deepest positions in this draft. So we'll see if that means they pay attention to it late. Ross, thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road once we get closer to training camp. Enjoy the summer. Absolutely, family. I appreciate you having me on. Y'all stay safe. Thanks, everybody, over at the studio. All right, that was Ross Jackson. You can follow him on Twitter, at Ross Jackson. Nola, appreciate him, as per the use, coming on and crushing it. And we'll talk a little bit more about that pick that the Dallas Cowboys, drafting an LSU linebacker by way of North Dakota, Stager Pearl Cox. We'll talk about that next, right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Famous CD is a five-tool player of sports talk. He can talk about a lot of different things, even some soccer. Few Manchester United, I suppose. Sing the Manchester United song. Okay, maybe not soccer. Back to Under the Dome on 103.7 The Game. Remember when we had the Super League last for like two weeks? That's kind of all I got to say about, about soccer right now. Because, I haven't again, we're in NFL draft mode. So not a whole lot of soccer talk, but yeah, that was something that happened a while back, and I still can't believe it was an actual thing that occurred. Appreciate Ross Jackson once again for coming aboard the program. We got another hour left of the show to go, and we got a lot of things to break down. Obviously, 
the draft as a whole. Jabril Cox picked up by the Dallas Cowboys. That is an absolute steal. And it, it, just, it pains me to say that. As somebody who I don't adamantly hate the Dallas Cowboys, as much as probably some, but anytime I see the Dallas Cowboys doing good in the draft, it just kind of it pains me. And, yeah, they've done okay, I think, in this draft. I think they've probably done better than some. But seeing a Dallas Cowboys team do good in the NFL draft, I mean, they've got Micah Parsons, a hell of a linebacker, who I think the Saints would have loved to have had. Kelvin Joseph, former LSU Tiger, now he, he want to transfer to Kentucky. You want to get a really good defensive tackle out of UCLA and Iowa. And then you got Nashawn Wright out of Oregon State. Those, like, you had like five picks already in the draft, and I feel like you've nailed on a lot. You've hit, you really hit on a lot of those. I think Jabril Cox may be that steal of the draft. They definitely are building a lot more on the defensive side of the football. And I think Jerry Jones may be losing his mind because he can't make these decisions. Because you know, if it was him, he'd be having like all of his picks be skill players. Like I guarantee you they would have gone wide receiver if, you know, Somebody really good was available in that first round. And that, that those first 12 picks, it would have been worth it. But I'm glad they didn't and went a really good route in my mind. I think the Cowboys have really done a solid job in the NFL draft. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD Hour number 2. Coming up in just a little bit, 337-706-0111 is the number to dial. If you want to get in on the conversation, back after this. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 1037 The Game Studios in Upper Lafayette. This is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live at 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. Take a walk on the wild side. Get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7, the game. And welcome, everybody. Hour number two of two. Feels like the first time in a while I've been actually able to say those words because, you know, like two weeks ago. My show got bumped due to LSU having a doubleheader, which, speaking of which, you're going to have a doubleheader. We'll get to that in a little bit. But in the meantime, of course, we're coming to you live from the first South Farm Credit Studios. Baby, we're looking good. And appreciate you tuning in on this Louisiana Saturday afternoon, however you're doing so, be it through that free mobile app or that old school FM dial. Power too sweet to be sour. I'm funky like a monkey. Sky's the limit and space is the place. Oh, yeah. Hopefully you have a great Louisiana Saturday afternoon. However you're doing so, if you're drinking that first or second cup of coffee or you're popping that first top of the day because it's a beautiful, beautiful Saturday. And, of course, it is also the Kentucky Derby. So that's a lot of fun. I was hoping, you know, we'd have, again, this is something like, I guess it's the fact like times a flat circle all the stuff and we are kind of in a weird place in the, the COVID world that we live in. And I'm just like blown away at how quickly like, you know, you're so used to one thing and it's like you have it canceled. Then it's like the next year it happens. It just sneaks up on you. 
The NFL draft was something I think we all knew was going to happen because it's heavily publicized and whatnot. But when it comes to this like whole situation with the Kentucky Derby, it's like it's today. Because again, like I never really think of it as like happening on May first. It usually is more of a like after the first full week. But again, it's 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 kind of weird. But looking forward to seeing how things pan out for. Again, just looking forward to seeing how things go tonight over in Kentucky because I'm I think there's a good chance we'll see some things change with the with the Derby odds. In fact, I was looking at some odds last night just to see how people kind of land on, and some of the predictions definitely are a lot more. You know, Hot Rod Charlie is somebody who's absolutely getting a lot of love, but he doesn't even hit the board for some experts that are out there kind of putting their predictions in and getting their shots up, if you will. And by the way, you know, Hot Rod Charlie, for what it's worth, currently 8-1 to one odds. You've got essential quality still kind of taking firm control. This is 2-1 to one odds, according to CBSSports.com, and what their odds are, their post positions. And then right behind right behind him is 5-1 to one odds, Rockier World. That's who I'm kind of going to go with to be the win, I'd say, place essential quality. It's going to be very, very close. And I put Hot Rod Charlie on the outside looking in of show. And for show, I'll just go ahead and go with 17, highly motivated. So let's go 15, 16, and 17. Th- oh, no, 14, 15, and 17. Excuse me. Because King Fury got taken out of the 16th spot. He got scratched. But outside of that, it's definitely almost a two-horse race, basically, because there's a lot of, now that we're in race day, there's a lot of 50-1 to one long shots. Like like the King, Brooklyn Strong, keep me in mind. I like that name. And y'all also have a couple other 50-to-1 odds like Hidden Stash and Helium. But again, I think today is more about the NFL draft. And right now the Saints aren't picking, but it's not long. You've got to remember, like these picks fly about like 100,000 miles an hour. It goes pretty doggone quickly. And I can't wait to see how this whole thing kind of flips over because it is going to be tons of fun to see how quickly this thing kind of spins out of control because the Saints have a chance to really do some cool stuff. And right now, I'm, I haven't seen who the – I'm going to go ahead and pull that up right now – who the best prospects are right now still available. Oh, it just shows all positions. All, all it, So I can't look it up to see the big board and see who's left. So let me go ahead and do this. NFL big board. We're gonna we're gonna try and keep tabs and see who else is on that big board. Who's still available on some of those muy grande boards? Players who are still available right now. I'm like, I means I can't find this. My I'm amazed we don't have like somebody keeping track on like a live like draft board. That'd be a lot easier to look at rather than you know some of these players like Robert Rochelle out of Central Arkansas could be an interesting one. Davion Nixon out of Iowa. Trey Smith. But all these guys are kind of flying off the board. Jabril Cox is the biggest name that they had. And the Cowboys were able to take him. Jake Tefele was a really good fourth-round pick, I think, for the Jacksonville Jaguars, who, by the way, I think have really crushed it this draft in my mind because they absolutely had like an opportunity to sully this. But they proved themselves to be really good 
and being patient and finding the best guy available at X spot. Because I was blown away when I saw this. In the first round of the draft, the Jaguars got Trevor Lawrence. That was the obvious one. It was pretty much preordained since, you know, January. Since pretty much the end of the season. But even before that, whoever was going to be the number one pick was getting Trevor Lawrence because he'd be out your mind if he didn't. But then somehow, I really don't know how this even happened. I don't understand how this even was allowed to be a thing. Jacksonville Jaguars, with the 25th pick, were able to pick Travis Etienne. That was a big, that was a huge surprise because now you get two former teammates. The Jennings product is officially wearing those colors. I'm like, what is going on here? That was a, that was a mind blow to see that. I think that was probably the biggest surprise of them all outside of J.C. Horn going top ten because I felt like his stock was going like crazy. J.C. Horn starting off was kind of a low first-round pick, and I was going to say, if we got him there, perfect. I can actually be happy with that. We'll move on. Lo and behold, the conversation shifted, and now like we're sitting here never in a million years thought we'd see some of these guys get off. I've never million years with all you see J.C. Horn get drafted at eighth overall to the Carolina Panthers. Now he's going from South Carolina to North Carolina, two very different places. But it's going to be fun. See how they look. I think just strictly looking off the first round of teams, I think the Jaguars have crushed it so far. The Jaguars have addressed a lot of needs, and they've been working more on building their defense after the first round. They've got a good corner, good offensive, a decent offensive tackle, I think, and they've started to build safeties, Jake Tavelli, and also Jordan Smith out of UAB as an edge rusher. So they've started to really address a lot of needs with all their picks so far. I'd say they get probably a A grade, mainly because of the fact you got Trevor Lawrence, but I think also the fact that you have somebody like a Travis Achan, which is going to be a massive steal. Make sure you keep an eye on the Jaguars the next couple of years because they're playing in a division that is a lot more friendly. I'll say that much. It's a lot more friendly in the sense that there's not a whole lot of really challengers. I think the Tennessee Titans, obviously, they're going to continue to be a contender. The Indianapolis Colts, I just don't know. I mean, do you really think Carson Wentz is going to change overnight? Is Quiddy Pie and Deo Oringbo, is that are those two guys going to be your answer? Like you don't, I, I would have loved to see them get more offensive guys. Maybe they do that in day three. I think they need to be able to address that end more than anything because Carson Wentz is going to be good, but you need to build some strength in the trenches and not just the defensive side of the football. Overall, liked what I've seen so far from him, from them. And then I think another team that's really surprised me is the Miami Dolphins. I think the Miami Dolphins have done a bang-up job and it's been more about getting something that I'm not necessarily a huge fan of. That's BPA, best player available. They got Jalen Waddle, Jalen Phillips, Javon Holland. I don't know a whole heck of a lot about him, but it seems like an interesting choice. Liam Eikenberg could be a good offensive tackle to have on the, and help keep Tua upright. Hunter Long, again, those picks are really strong, and they're taking advantage of the fact that you've built up this war chest, built up with these draft picks, 
And this is the opportunity to want up taking advantage of everything you got going for you. And again, they took full advantage. Five picks in the top 100. I think they got a lot of really good guys, and they're going to have a really good time enjoying their team in 2021. The Houston Texans, yeah, they get an F because Davis Mills and Nico Collins, those are your guys of the future. Nick Casario, Jack Easterby are just sitting there playing tickle butt and laughing because they're getting paid to ruin this franchise. Sell the team, get the team out of Houston. It's insane to see that. Then I think another team that's kind of doing halfway, I think, again, Cowboys are doing really well. I think the Cowboys are probably one of my teams. I'm like, what's going on? Meanwhile, the I'm like, what is going on with the New England Patriots? First two picks, first two picks alone, they got Mac Jones and they got Christian Barmore. They got two of the best, two really good Alabama players. Then they got two pretty okay Oklahoma players. I think Ronnie Perkins, Ramondre Stevenson. He's not going to be a starter. He's not going to probably even sniff the field in my mind because I don't know a whole heck of a lot about him. But edge rusher Ronnie Perkins, I've heard some stuff about him. He's a, it's a decent pick, especially as a comp, on the tail end of the top 100. So you're able to kind of get some things done in that aspect. But give him credit for landing in that spot the way that they did. Very much impressed by that alone. I think the Green Bay Packers, they continue to piss off. Aaron Rodgers, and it's one of those things where, like, I mentioned this with Nick Fontenot yesterday, is that the the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers are a lot like when you when you go out on a date with, with your wife or your girlfriend or what have you, and you're out at this fancy restaurant, and you just see this couple out there, and they are absolutely yelling, arguing, all night. You can tell it's just a bad vibe. Even if they're not arguing, you can tell that this situation is a ticking time bomb. That's what we got going on over at, you know, it's, it's crazy to think. But that's what we got with the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers has wanted out probably for the better part of two years, and he's crying and complaining about the fact that he's not getting anything out of this. He's not getting anything out of this relationship in terms of the NFL draft. And he's not getting the wide receivers that he wants. They give him the wide receiver in the third round. They go ahead in the first round and go draft Eric Stokes, who I think is going to be a good pick. Don't get me wrong. I think he's going to be a hell of a hand to have in that first in that first round. I think he's going to be a hell of a hand to have. But it doesn't address a need that your boy Aaron Rodgers wants. So he wants out. And I'm going to be controversial here. I think Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback. I think he'd be a hell of a hand for the New Orleans Saints to get. But I don't think the Saints should get him. There. I said it. I don't think the Saints should get him. Because let's be honest. If he comes over and realizes, hey, I'm just what is going on with this team? I'm sitting here like, you know, if I'm, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I would love to be part of this team. But the second he gets on here, who's say he doesn't become a total diva and starts complaining about, oh, hey, Michael Thomas just runs slants. We need to change his offense up. But Michael Thomas works best as a slant boy. I hate to say it. I just feel like there is something that's going to turn him off 
to where he becomes a malcontent, and that's not what you want as a starting from your starting quarterback. Yes, he would be amazing if you could trade him straight up for Jimmy G. For Jimmy G. Listen to me, Jameis Winston and Aaron Rodgers. Maybe some draft picks in twenty twenty two just to give it to him. Do it, just do it. But I guarantee you, there is going to be some major disconnect, and stuff is not going to sit right with a lot of guys. But we're going to take a quick timeout. When we come back, we should have a draft pick for the New Orleans Saints. We'll give those details in just a few. But when we come back, we got that and so much more to break down. Round four, underway of the NFL draft. We'll talk about that and so much more right here on 1037 The Game and 1037 The Game.com. still goes out and eats a shrimp po' boy just like the rest of us. Just don't talk to him while he's eating. Lay up there, I'm starving. Now back to Under the Dome on 103.7 The Game, Acadiana's sports station. All right, welcome back Under the Dome with CD right here at 103.7 The Game, 103.7thegame.com. A couple things to kind of recap here as we kind of went to break. The Saints are currently on the clock and two LSU Tigers are now off the board. Indra Brilcox and Tyler Shelvin. Last I check, I think Dylan Moses might still be on the board. I think LSU fans, LSU fans would hate that. But at the end of the day, this would be a hell of a hand to kind of get. I'm gonna go ahead and pull this up. You know, if we, if Dylan Moses, Dylan Moses is still on the board, I, I, yeah, take him, take him, Saints, just do it. Just do it. I think a linebacker would be great. Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. They're currently on the clock right now. But, again, the Saints, the two former LSU Tigers now currently off the board. And they went pretty quickly between each other with, you know, your boy Tyler Shelvin getting picked 122nd overall. While Jabril Cox, linebacker LSU, was picked 115th. So about 10 picks apart those two were. More power to him for getting that one done. Currently waiting to see who the Saints have picked. Again, this is just all kinds of fun seeing what's happening. See who's going to go where and what they're doing. The Saints currently on the clock. They missed out on a really good DB, according to a lot of different people. Robert Rochelle, the Shreveport native, was somebody who all, everybody was kind of looking at as a really good small school prospect. But, again, this, this is the beauty of live radio. I'm basically just waiting patiently to see who the Saints get and who they pull off. And Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. They did it. They did it. They did it. All right. Oh, man, they did it. They just went ahead. And mess around. We gave him an opportunity to do this. We get a quarterback. And it's not any of the guys that I was kind of saying, hey, I wouldn't mind. No Brevin Jordan. Oh, man. I, I'm just really upset that we have to we have to say this. With the pick from the New Orleans Saints, this is coming according to Connor Hughes of the Athletic. I'm waiting to see the official number. But man, oh man, this is just 
ridiculous to see the Saints do this. And again, seeing this from reports, and if this happens, Ian Book could be the draft pick in the fourth round. Oh, 100%. That is absolutely just the worst case scenario to see that name pop up. That's like, why do that in the fourth? Why get that guy in the fourth round? I feel like, again, Sean Payton telegraphed this stuff. Sean Payton 110% telegraphed this. Why? Because I'm going to pull up this clip. This is from a couple, I think this is about a month ago on the Dan Patrick show. Sean Payton talked about, let me go ahead and pull this up. Ian Book. He, he actually talked about Ian Book and how he compared him. Oh, man. He compared, and it's become an official now. The Saints drafted quarterback for the first time since 2015. Technically, because they drafted a few years ago, last year, Tommy Stevens, but that was more of a. Let's see if he can beat Taysom Hill. And here we go. We Here we go again. We have this kind of ish happening. Here we go again. We have Ian Book, quarterback out of Notre Dame. Just what is going on here? What are we doing? Like, again, Ian Book probably is going to be a guy that's interesting. But, you know, this is back in March on Ian Book. Quote, the kid in Notre Dame is pretty scrappy. He's pretty interesting to watch on tape. That tells me a lot. You know, I what? How? How is this even, like, an option? There's, like, a, there's no way that the New Orleans Saints, and again, I'm trying to find this. This is, this is what happens when I have, like, 40 different things to pull up. And let's see, Dan Patrick, Sean Payton, Dan Patrick. See what pops up because I might have it on my in my computer. Let's see, in the book. Okay, apparently it's just like gone. I don't know where where it would be, but I know he did an interview with Dan Patrick a while back and basically put over Ian Book like crazy. And I'm like, what is going on? Why is this guy being considered the future? I'm like, come on now. Do we really need to have Dan, like the Dan Patrick interview, prophecy being fulfilled that Ian Book is our is the answer, is our Lord and Savior when it comes to the future of quarterback? Is Jameis Winston not enough? Oh, boy, Saints, you sure love to kind of drop a turn to the punch bowl. I was in a good mood this morning. I said, you know what? I'm going to talk about, say my piece about Peyton Turner and move on. All right, I finally found the clip. This is It's a short clip, 12 seconds. A kid at Notre Dame is pretty scrappy. I I, I was kind of – I mean, he's obviously a, a, a much better quarterback than I ever thought about being, but he's pretty interesting to watch on tape. You know, he finds a way to win. God. So you got Trevor Simeon, Jason, Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill. I almost called him Jason. But Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill, Ian Book, and Trevor Simeon. This is almost like the land of misfit toys in terms of quarterbacks, right? Like, yes, I'm giving every opportunity to Jameis Winston to prove himself. But this is almost like a damning statement to be able to get him at fourth round. Fourth round, late fourth. Not even the, like, if this were like the sixth round, sure, go ahead and do it. He's a guy that probably won't make the team. But, but the fourth round kind of makes me think this is a Garrett Grayson part deux. And it's disgusting.
that we did this again. We continue to shoot ourselves in the foot in the NFL draft, and it, little do we know that it's starting to become more likely that the Saints don't know what they're doing now that Terry Fontenot's gone, and he's going to make the Atlanta Falcons look like a somewhat decent team. In book, is your freaking pick in the fourth round when you still had Dylan Moses on the board? Don't know why Dylan Moses has dropped this far, why he's fallen this far. But it's like, why do you do these things, Saints? Why do you do this to me? Why do you do this to me? There was a better prospect available in my book. And according to a lot of people, they agree with it because they do a fan ballot on NFL.com. And everybody's sort of saying, you know, 23% and 24% are going F, terrible draft pick. I'd agree with that statement. He's a 5.69, according to the prospect grade. He played for Notre Dame. Come on, man. This is a guy that like should have been more round six and seven. Yes, he started for three years, but I'm just very much uncertain about his future. I would have much rather a guy like a Sam Allinger. But you go get Ian Book. Good luck, God bless. If that's the future of our franchise, Ian freaking Book. I mean, did Drew Brees help make this pick? Did Drew Brees help make this pick? After all the time he spent probably researching like crazy and saying, hey, here's what we got. Here's what we got. We had Dylan Moses. We had Brevin Jordan. Who We we could use a good, a good tight end. Not a Notre Dame quarterback. Not a Notre Dame quarterback rather than, you know, Dylan Moses. I, I, I just, what is going on? You're wasting these picks on QBs right now. What are we doing? The New Orleans Saints continue to just boggle my mind and Sean Payton and Drew Brees must have been sharing sugar cookies because we all know Drew Brees has been looking at footage, looking at film of Notre Dame, probably doing commentary during his injury time. So he saw Ian Book. He's like, hey, Sean, check out this guy, Ian Book. He seems like he could be a good fit with our team and, and good good vision for our future. No, he's not. And if this guy somehow sees the field, I'm going to be very concerned about the future of the New Orleans Saints. We talk about 7-9. Hell, we might go down. Well, below that, Sean Payton's never gone below 7-9 in his tenure as the Saints head coach. Even in the Bounty Gate year, they went 7-9. It's always been 7-9. Now it's obviously could be 7-10 with the 17-game schedule. This team feels like they could go below that mark and then some. If somehow, someway, Ian Book in the next year, if Jameis Winston doesn't pan out and you have Ian Book still on the roster and they don't draft a quarterback in 2022, this is a joke. Somehow, some way, I don't think you're going to get Aaron Rodgers. Somehow, some way, I don't think you're going to get Aaron Rodgers. You have to pretty much give up all your other quarterbacks to do it. Ian Book is not my... I'm going to calm down. I'm going to calm down. I'm going to take a break. Because I feel like I want to say some things that I can't say on the air. But why get a quarterback? If you want to react to that, 337 706 one We'll react to Ian Book and maybe anything else stupid the Saints do over the course of the NFL draft next. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD right here on 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com.
know why. Because when you listen to Under the Dome with CD, your knowledge of sports increases by 141 and two-thirds percent. And they spell disaster for you as sacrifice. Now let's get back to the genetic freak of sports talk on Acadiana's Sports Station, 1037 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Coming to you live from the First South Farm Credit Studios. And if you want to talk about the in-book thing or you want to be my therapist for the next, like, half hour, be my guest. Because I was, like, I was in a good mood today. I was going to talk about how, you know, Cajuns, they, they're struggling a little bit. You know, I will I can get into that if you want to. LSU, you know, they lost to Arkansas, which felt expected. But the way they lost it was just an absolute gut punch. But that feels like it's just par for the course for that team. Over the last several months, they just continue to have those gut punches or something else getting punched. But I've got somebody on the game hotline. I'm going to see if I can, if they can calm me down and have me off of the proverbial bridge. I would jump off a bridge. But let's see if we can get them to calm me down. Hello, you're on Under the Dome. Hey, Clint, your favorite intern. Hey, hey what's up, James? Hey, I, I want to react to that Ian Book pick. All right, dude, go ahead. Uh, I showed you some of his highlights whenever I was over there. Yeah. And I, I told you I love the guy. Like like Sean said, he's scrappy, and I love that as a player, especially as a quarterback. I'm just, I'm just not sold know, on it. I don't know why you're so down about it. Like, you could have gotten him late. It's a lot like the Peyton Turner pick. You could have gotten him later in the draft and been okay with it. But a fourth-round pick, when it, dude, like, like we talked about, Brevin Jordan and Dylan Moses are still available in the fourth round. You could have gotten those two guys and then got Ian Book in the sixth or seventh round, and I would have been a-okay with it. Because odds are sixth or seventh round picks, they don't pan out all that well. If he were a sixth round pick and the Saints picked him up and somehow someway he was going to start, probably was going to be happy about it. But you get, you risk a fourth round pick for a guy that you don't even know if he's going to start in the league. Period. Yeah, I mean, I can see it, but look, if they love him that much, we got to trust the process. Same thing with Paige Turner. I'm not excited about it, but we just got to see how it works out. Not to mention, I mean, Brevin Jordan's still available as of right now. So, we But you don't have a pick to You only have three more picks left. Are you going to bundle all those and give them away to go move up in the fifth round and take Brevin Jordan? I would have much rather just go take him now and wait till the sixth round because I'd, I'd put money. On Ian Book being the answer. I would put money on Ian Book being a six-round pick. I don't want to – the Saints The Saints have done this before. The first time since 2015 they drafted somebody in the third round – excuse me. First time since 2015, but we're not counting Tommy Stevens because he was more of a tight end. He's more of a spark plug, Taysom Hill type BS. But how do we get Ian freaking Book in the fourth round like the – the Peyton Turner pick made no sense to me because I didn't know who the hell the guy was. I thought he was some auto-generated NCAA football type name. But no, we get Ian Book. Like like a guy that may not even start. Like this is Garrett Grayson-esque. Something tells me that he's able to read defenses really well by his last name. I hope so. I hope, he, I hope, he's, I hope he's good. You know, I was, I'm looking. I look, pulled up his stats during the break. You know, outside of the, he played a little bit of his freshman year, played 10 games, but didn't do a whole hell of a lot. Was more, or was he kind of a garbage time type guy. 
other three years, he's hit 3,000 yards, which is great. But, man, I got to think the fact that, you know, his numbers went down compared to what he had last year. He only had, he only had 15 touchdowns to three when they played in the ACC. So does that – and I understand they only played – they played less games, but I'm just – I'm questioning a lot of things right now about this Notre Dame franchise, this program, and getting Ian Book. I would have much rather have gotten him later in the round. That's my whole thing. That's totally fair. I I just like – I like him as a player, so I'm not – I'm not totally mad at it being him being the fourth round pick, even though you know me, I showed you Brevin Jordan, yeah. and I that's that's probably my favorite player. That's your man than, crush. Oh yeah, it's it's my football crush to say the least. <laughs> I'm just, I'm we, just... still the, we still we still have the availability to get him as of right now, so I'm still optimistic. I'm ho- I'm hopeful. Like I think I'm just. Like, it's the, again, this is, the, like, the beauty and the downside of live radio on draft day. Like, imagine if we had done, like, instead of Facebook Live, we were live on 1037thegame1037thegame.com over the course of four hours. You would have heard my reaction, and it would have not been great. Because I was like, what is going on? Like, that was a weird one. The Saints. Oh, yeah, I was I was definitely shook when, it, when we actually had the. I didn't know who he was either. Like even when I was looking at edge rushers doing my mock draft, I never, I didn't see his name. I mean, he was like rated more. Again, it's the fact that you got him in this spot. I'm like, what is that? That's my whole thing. Is you got him in like a very different spot. Now he could it could pan out, but it's a first round pick for a guy that probably you could have gotten late day two. And not have to trade up, you know, for somebody. Like I'm seeing Mickey Loomis and everybody fist pumping, fist bumping each other in the draft room right now on the video they have for Ian Book on NFL.com. And again, no due disrespect to Notre Dame and what the Fighting Irish did in the ACC. I mean, they they beat Clemson, but I think it was more because of their defensive efforts as opposed to their offense. Ian Book. I don't think he's going to be the answer for the team. But, James, I appreciate the call, man, because I I needed somebody to maybe like take me off of the ledge a little bit. Yeah, I I definitely think that they, they must see something that we don't to make them feel this excited to draft them this early when we when pretty much everyone else is like, oh, we probably could have got them later. You but wasted a draft pick. Just trust the process. Trust the. I mean, we're, we're the New Orleans Saints. We're not the Philadelphia 76ers. I mean, look, this, this, is just, this is an experiment. This is also a test to be like, hey, Davenport, if you don't get it together, we got somebody else ready. And not to mention Cam Jordan. I mean, he only had seven sacks last year. He did have yeah. a lot of double teams, but at the same time, he just wasn't as productive. So, I mean, this could be a writing on the wall for either one of them. I agreed, agreed. But, again, appreciate you calling in, brother. You're welcome. All right, yeah. But I'm still just like, what is going on here? Like, we got this guy is, again, it feels Garrett Grayson-esque. What we got going on. I'm like, what is going on? Like, this is this is an insane one. I, I was not expecting to see 
the Saints pick Ian Book in the fourth round. Just, what are we doing? Let's, all right, so I just saw this from Rod Walker. I got to give him credit for this. So, before today, here's the last five quarterbacks the Saints drafted. Again, Tommy Stevens was technically a quarterback. He converted to tight end. 2015, Garrett Grayson. Never saw the field, not even for a, for a nanosecond. A nanosecond. 2010, Sean Canfield. A name I don't even remember existing. A name I don't remember seeing at all. Sean Canfield. I'm going to go ahead and hit the Google machine, see if this guy exists or not. And he does. He's got a page, and he's pretty much the most like generic-looking quarterback I've ever seen. Like If you basically went ahead and put together artificial intelligence for like the most bland quarterback of all time, it'd be him. And he was like a late seventh-round pick, 239th overall that year, and was drafted by the Saints, was basically did nothing, basically yo-yoed from active squad to practice like crazy, and then he was waived, resigned, and then they cut him in 2012, never saw the field. Then you've got A.J. McPherson, a name what it sounds familiar, but again, this was, I put money, this was a late, 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 late like pick. Oh, he's fifth round, okay. So fifth round, okay, I can, I can get that. Of course, he was behind, you know, the whole, like the end of the Aaron Brooks era into the Drew Brees era, then he got cut. After the 2006 season due to injuries, and he wound up doing a lot of, you know, the arena football league type stuff and the semi-pro gimmicks, okay? That's another bad one. Again, just historically, Saints haven't had, like, the greatest luck in the NFL draft getting quarterbacks. JTO Sullivan, another name who I remember a lot in those, like, late 2000s, those early 2000s Saints-era teams. And then he went over to NFL Europe, and we all know, he kind of just jumped around a lot. But again, a decent name nonetheless. It was a name I had heard in a long time. But still, just I, I'm sitting here just... And it's like I'm very much just live reacting, coming off the cuff with this, and saying I'm mad. But at the same time, I think it's just more disappointing. Because the Saints had a lot of different things to choose from. Brevin Jordan. Again, Brevin Jordan, last I checked, he's still there. You could have gotten him in the fourth round and then do what you want to do going forward. If, again, I hope I'm wrong and I say that Ian Book doesn't play a down in the NFL. I'd love to be wrong on that. But I'm just wondering What's the reasoning? What's the reasoning behind that? That's all I want to know. Is I think you could have probably tried to get another pretty decent defensive player or tight end to complement Adam Troutman because Troutman isn't is the only real tight end that we know of. You could have gotten that, but you didn't. But then again, the Saints did the same thing in day one, getting a defensive end when they already had plenty. Imagine he could fit. He could probably wind up being more of that. You know, oh hey, we're gonna make him work in different positions. But it's like immediate reaction. Peyton Turner was was a bad idea. The other two guys, I think they were 
like great is what I'd say about Paulson. I think Werner is a like incomplete because I just don't know enough about him. And two, he played for Ohio State, and we all know Sean Payton has like almost a borderline fetish for anybody who was a former Buckeye, especially on the defensive side of the football. Because I mean, pretty much almost half of your starting eleven on that side of the football is all guys from the Ohio State University. And Ohio State does have a great history of really good defensive players. The defense has always been a really good strong point of that of that program. But seeing a potential successor, I just don't get it. I just don't get it at all. But, you know, I guess I'm just going to have to sit here with the Coca-Cola, maybe maybe a tear drops in that thing, just because I think the Saints continue to do weird things. But again, that's kind of where I'm at. Now, when it comes to the rest of the draft, I'm like, okay, you know, why did the Saints, why did the Vikings draft Kellen Mond? Kyle Trask is to stay in Florida, so maybe he can spend a year under the greatest of all time. He's in a great position. Ian Book, eh. That's a, I, that was a reach. I think that was the purebred definition of a reach. And hopefully we can have something else happen in the rest of the draft that makes me a little bit happier. It makes me a little bit more okay. By the way, in case you're wondering, LSU has a doubleheader today. So, yeah, that's something else is going on outside of the NFL draft, which we spent much of the last hour and a half to 45 minutes talking about is obviously it's what everybody else is talking about. So LSU is playing a doubleheader against Arkansas. And the first game is going to be at 2 o'clock, uh, 2.30, excuse me. And, you know, 2 o'clock, what do you know? I believe it's like 2.30. Let me double check my email I got last night from LSU, LSU baseball. Both games will be nine innings. First pitch is going to be at 2 o'clock, so one thirty pregame. It'll be nine inning games. Game one will be a 15, and then it's like a 30-minute break. But to, and Actually, no, game two is going to be at 6.30. So that would be a pushback a half hour from the original time. This is all due to weather kind of throwing a monkey wrench at all this stuff and throwing a turd in the punch bowl of our weekend. But both games will be nine innings, so thank God for that because seven-inning doubleheaders is a complete joke, and the SEC is dumb for that rule. And now the Cajuns, they're also going to play a doubleheader. First pitch for game one is going to be at three, then seven o'clock will be the first pitch for game number three. Cajuns got to get off the schneid. That's that's the big talking point because the Cajuns just have not looked good at all the last few weeks. And you think the fact you have like actual fans back in the stands, you think that would change things? But no, you got you know, it's crazy because obviously now you're able to have 100 percent full capacity. Case of point, Cages Baseball right are able to have full capacity now. You think that would have like reinvigorated the team and give them that energy, give them that like like boost to where they can actually really get things going? Thankfully, we got the Houston Astros. Who, by the way, will be on News Talk 98.5 over the weekend. They are absolutely saving me from just like almost depression. 
from almost like full-blown just like depression has now set in. This team is so damn good right now. Last 10 games, 7-3. and 7-3. and three. Just their last 10 games. And if I'm not mistaken, they have won dating back to after the Rocky series. They won 3 out of 4 against the Angels, 3 out of 4 against the Mariners. And then they won last night against Tampa Bay Rays, 9-2. to two. This is exactly what you would want if you're an Astros fan, is for this team to, after the way they started, they started off 6-1. and one. And then they've like flipped the script, and now they're considered a damn near top-tier program. I'm looking forward to seeing how this thing goes. Because, again, the, the Astros are moving up in the in the standings again, 14-12 and 12 with this start. The Mariners are starting to kind of taper off a little bit, so, the same, so they have a chance to move up into second place. Then you got the Oakland A's who – were like winners of like thirteen straight or something crazy like that, but now they're they only they're six and four of their last ten games. There's a chance where the Astros, like, if things go right, they could be at the end of this weekend leaders in the AL West, which would anger all everybody. And we're back to the asshat division, by the way. We're back to the asshat division for now. But who's who's to say by the end of this weekend, the Astros sweep the Rays, and then the Mariners and Athletics drop a couple games. The Astros could very well be in the leader in the clubhouse come Monday, which would sure make me and Kevin Foote a lot more happier. All right, it's under the dome with CD. Right here, 1037 the game. Gonna take a quick timeout, wrap up the show with one final take that won't be Saints related. Be more of a Cajuns related take. After this, 1037 the game, 1037thegame.com under the dome wraps up next. Just before we close up shop here on 1037 the game, the famous CD is looking to fire off one more take before dropping the mic. Is it going to be a hot one or is it going to be one he'd like to take back six months down the road? Let's listen in and find out. This will be a quick little just spiel about one player in particular, or two players in particular, Trey Regis, Elijah Mitchell. These guys, absolute studs for the Vermilion White over the last few years, and were pretty much one of the most elite duos I've seen since maybe Elijah McGuire and Alonzo Harris, and that's saying a lot. I think those guys deserve better than what they're probably going to get, and that's going to be sixth or seventh round. Worst case scenario, you're going to probably be a like undrafted free agent. These guys probably wind up on camp somewhere, but I just wish they'd have an opportunity to be a little bit better than that. At least that's just what I'm thinking. And mind you, this is probably bias, but I think the Cajuns deserve a lot more love. I think obviously last year was that rare event, a lot like a Charles Peanut Tillman, where you got draft, where guys got drafted pretty highly. Gavin Dotson, Robert Hunt, those two guys absolutely deserved it. I think Ray McCallie, he got about where you think he would. But I hope, I hope these guys are able to parlay wherever they're at, be it you know sixth, seventh rounder, undrafted free agent. They parlay it into a spot on the active roster, not on the practice squad, because I feel like these guys have so much potential. That they that teams cannot waste this opportunity. But that's about all I got for the show today. 
Appreciate everybody for calling in. Ross Jackson for coming aboard the program. Until next week, we're on for an hour and a half. I'll talk to you later.